I bet you never thought you'd be saying that to your kids. I'm recording a show, guys. Recording a show. Leave me alone. And yes, that is going into a podcast. <laughs> Hello, working people of Southwest Washington. You're listening to episode 17 of Working to Live in Southwest Washington, produced by the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council. We're also a proud member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network, with over 100 radio shows and podcasts for working people just like you. Find out more about the network at laborradionetwork.org. I'm Shannon Myers. And I'm Harold Phillips. And before we get started, we wanted to remind you that the views and opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily the views and opinions of the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council, its affiliate unions, our guests' unions, or their employers, not even their senators. Nobody but themselves. The great thing about senators is whatever opinion they have, they want to listen to your opinion. And we are going to talk about that a little bit. But first, I just want to say, even though we're recording this beforehand, happy May Day, because we're uploading on May Day. And what is May Day, would you ask? <laughs> well, actually, it's International Workers Day. So as we celebrate our Labor Day in September... Most of the rest of the world celebrate their Labor Day on May 1st, International Workers' Day. And it's a celebration of the working class that is promoted by the international labor movement and occurs every year on May 1st. So what you're saying is we're actually kind of lucky here in the U.S. because we get two Labor Days. We get May Day and we get U.S. Labor Day? Heck yeah, two parties are better than one. Well... Unfortunately, when it comes to labor issues and working people's ability to organize, we're not actually so lucky in the U.S. compared to a lot of other countries, right? No. I mean, can you believe it? We're still fighting for things like vacation, like mothers having time off with their children. I have a friend in Spain who's a dude and he gets three months off with his newborn I was working the next day. It's not going to come as a surprise to any of our listeners that working people in the United States are lagging behind a lot of the Western world, but there are steps being taken to change that. Oh, yeah. We have something huge happening around the United States, and it's called the PRO Act. The Protecting the Right to Organize Act which is so exciting because it's the first major piece of labor law reform in, in what, a hundred years, something like that? A hundred years. The PRO Act is going to change things, not just for union members, but for all working people here in Southwest Washington and around the country. And you don't have to take our word for it. We've got somebody with us today who knows all about the PRO Act because she helped write it. Washington's own Senator Patty Murray. Thank you so much for making the time to join us, Senator. It is really great to hear your voices and to be on with you today. Well, you know, Senator Murray, I was looking at this postcard on my wall above my computer, and it's a thank you card from you. And I can't remember how many years ago it was, 
But you've been working on this PRO Act deal for a long time, and you had a sit down with me and labor leaders from Southwest Washington to talk about what should be in this PRO Act, and you took it back to Washington, and now here we are. So why did you feel so impassioned to write and run with this PRO Act? Oh, Shannon, I think that was about four years ago, and I am impassioned to write and run with this because not only from where we were then, but now the pandemic has really made clear what workers have known for a really long time, that our economy is benefiting the biggest corporations and the wealthiest individuals, and it's really failing workers, and in particular, women and workers of color. We know that wages haven't budged for the bottom 50% of the workers, and the top 1% of earners have seen their wages grow by 205%. So we can't ignore this worsening income inequality and the deep impact it has on women, workers of color, people who disproportionately have jobs with lower wages and fewer benefits. And we know that unions are a critical part of how we can work to increase wages and address growing income inequality, because we know actually that union members earn on average 19% more than those in a non-union workplace. So the PRO Act that we talked about four years ago, and I'm still working to pass, would reverse years of attacks on unions and restore fairness to this economy. So I'm passionate about getting this done because I know it will ensure workers in our state and across the country can join together to demand their fair share of the economic growth that they drive. And speaking about being a worker, you used to be a teacher, didn't you? The teacher in tennis shoes, a union member as well? Preschool teacher, member of AFT, yes. Senator, you've just outlined some of the problems that the PRO Act aims to fix. Can you give us some examples of what's in the Act and how it's going to deal with income inequality, the gender pay gap, and some of the other issues you mentioned? What the PRO Act does is it restores fairness to the economy by actually strengthening the federal laws that protect workers' rights to act collectively and to bargain for higher wages and benefits. And protecting the right to join a union is really critical, as I said, to reversing the imbalance in our economy. And the PRO Act does that by strengthening the remedies and punishing violations of workers' rights, strengthening workers' rights to stand together and negotiate for better working conditions, and really restoring fairness to this economy that's so important in bringing transparency so workers can join together and know they have the protection of federal law to be able to fight to join a union and be able to bargain for better workplace policies. Now, Senator, we just had a big election in Bessemer, Alabama, at the Amazon facility there. Would the PRO Act have made a difference, do you think, in the way that election might have come out? Well, I believe that all workers should have access to free, fair, and safe union elections, which is exactly why I believe the Senate needs to pass the PRO Act to protect workers' rights. And we have to fix the flawed system so there aren't questions about um, how unions are organized or whether they are fair. I know that you're super busy because we have something called a Biden address tonight. So I'm going to get you off (laughs) the phone and we appreciate the time. But, um, you know, Senator Murray, you visit us quite often here in Southwest Washington, and we appreciate that because you understand that you represent the whole state. I don't want to bring up the past, but 
I know that uh, what happened on January 6th at the Capitol, it really had all of us worried, you know, not only for our democracy, but for you personally. And so Harold and I just wanted to make sure that uh, you were okay and hope that you are doing well. Oh, Shannon, thank you for asking. I'm doing fine. And what happened on January 6th is our democracy was threatened. And we need to hold everybody accountable for what happened that day, because we have to protect our votes and our voices and our ability to speak out. And we can never allow it to be overtaken by brute force, which is exactly what people tried to do on that terrible day of January 6th. So we cannot act out of fear. We need to act out of strength. We need to stand up and speak out against it. And that's what keeps me going. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Senator Murray. We really appreciate it. Thank you. And hello to all of you. I can't wait till we get over all of this pandemic and we can see each other in person and give each other hugs. And as I say, not just return to normal because normal wasn't good enough. Return our country to a better normal as a result of what we have learned from this pandemic. Oh, Senator Patty Murray, you represent us well. We love you. Thank you. Now stick around, working people. We're going to dig a little deeper into the PRO Act and what it's going to do for working people all across the nation and even right here in Southwest Washington with the Secretary-Treasurer of the National AFL-CIO, Liz Schuler. We'll be right back. Hey folks, it's Mark, your host on My Labor Radio. You can find us on multiple podcast platforms, and this show is now part of the laborradionetwork.org. You can discover more than just us by visiting their website. The Labor Radio Network will help you find your next new favorite union podcast or radio show. A simple network of folks from across the nation. Working people keep raising their voices more and more each day and demanding better treatment from their workplaces and their elected officials. As you know, these voices don't get heard very much on the corporate-controlled media. But the 21st century's labor movement has a new way to get its message out there. And working people don't rely on traditional media gatekeepers. It's now the internet, so you can turn off your TV to get the real news. So that gets us to that one-stop shop. Just visit laborradionetwork.org. On the main page, you'll see a grid of show logos. Just click one, and the description and links pop up right there. It's worth going to visit this ever-growing Voices of Labor resource. Join us at laborradionetwork.org. Thanks for sticking with us, working people. You heard Senator Murray talk about what the PRO Act is and how it came to be. Now we're going to talk a little bit more about this piece of legislation and how it'll help working people just like us. We've got an expert here to help us understand everything about the PRO Act, Liz Schuler, Secretary-Treasurer of the AFL-CIO. Thanks for joining us, Liz. Hi, thanks for having me on the show. I'm so excited to be here on behalf of 12 and a half million working people, 56 different unions all across the economy throughout the country. It's so good to see you again, sister. Not sure if all of our listeners know, but you're actually from around this neighborhood, the Pacific Northwest, sister, right? I have web feet, as they say. I grew up in Portland, Oregon. Um, my family still lives in Portland, right across the river. I grew up, you know, traveling up and down I-5. So I know Southwest Washington very, very well. So then, you know, our special culture that we have out here, it's all about the fleece and walking around in the rain and sneering at people who have umbrellas, like they're tourists. You, you, you know, that whole thing, right? I still don't use an umbrella and I've lived in Washington, DC now for almost 20 years. 
All right. Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. That's what we like to hear. So speaking of what we like to hear, we've talked a lot about the PRO Act so far and how it came to be. But can you tell us how it's going to help unions here in Washington and around the country? Absolutely. And to say the PRO Act, it's the Protecting the Right to Organize Act. And this legislation is actually going to, I would say, be the most significant worker empowerment legislation since the Great Depression. And we all know it takes an act of absolute courage and heroism these days to form a union because the laws are so broken. So the PRO Act actually would remedy all of those gaps, all of those hurdles. Anyone who wants to organize a union in their workplace right now, they're subject to retaliation and sometimes firing if they try to form a union. So this legislation is going to be not only a labor rights bill, it's a civil rights bill, it's a democracy bill, and it is a gender empowerment bill. Because as we know, uh, especially workers on the front lines of this pandemic have really seen the value of having a union to be there to speak up on their behalf and fight for safety and health regulations. To get the PRO Act passed would mean more people would have access to a voice on the job. You were just talking about some of the things that people who want to form a union go through. I think we saw a crystal clear example of that in Bessemer, Alabama recently, right? Absolutely. All eyes were on Bessemer, Alabama, of all places where there aren't very many unions. And we saw those heroic workers standing up in that Amazon warehouse where we now know the conditions are absolutely deplorable. They're measured and monitored and tracked every step of the way during their workdays. They are governed by app. So they show up to work. They never see or interact with a human being in terms of management. And they can even be fired by an app. They are tracked with a wristband and Amazon's patent said the movements of the wrist translate directly to productivity. So that's how they monitor people. My union, SAG-AFTRA, did a Future of Work Summit that you were a part of. Yeah, and yeah. I don't think that these wristbands are anywhere close to the future of work that we're looking for, right? <laughs> <laughs> the uh, monitoring and surveillance future? No. So when they wanted to form a union, it was more about respect than it was necessarily about the things we normally think about, wages and benefits. But they stood up and they stood up against the biggest company that we have in our economy today. And they fought back. Um, the campaign, obviously, people know now it was threats and intimidation and, you know, all the things that companies pull out all the stops to prevent a union from their workplace. Monitoring the Dropbox, putting a Dropbox right in the front of the plant. They had a, quote, mailbox, which really didn't have branding for the USPS, but they also had a security camera on it and an Amazon logo. So it almost looked as though the company was monitoring the ballots when workers wanted to, you know, drop their votes into the mail slot. They also literally uh, changed the stoplight. So workers could not talk to organizers on the way in and out of the plant. They petitioned the county to actually have the stoplight timing changed. This just seems absolutely ridiculous. And people are going to think that we are making this up, but we're not. So 
how is the PRO Act going to avoid this kind of behavior if it's passed? So the PRO Act is actually going to make a lot of the tactics that companies use to discourage people from joining a union, it's going to make it illegal. Most of this behavior is illegal already, but it's going to um, now enforce the law with penalties and also make things like captive audience meetings illegal. Right now, companies hire union busting consultants to come in when there's a unionizing effort in their workplace, and they will basically mandate that people will come off the shop floor, sit in a room and listen to anti-union propaganda to discourage them from joining. And in this case, when Amazon hosted those anti-union meetings, if a worker would raise their hand and ask a question, they would invite that worker up to the front of the room, take a photo of their employee badge and escort them out of the room. Are you kidding? So do you think that would be slightly intimidating? Do you think that that would instill fear in people? (laughs) Yeah. Wow. So like you said, this is already illegal. How is the PRO Act going to increase the penalties for companies that have this kind of behavior? So the PRO Act is going to hold corporations accountable by strengthening the ability of the National Labor Relations Board to penalize these companies with monetary damages and make sure that it's not just a slap on the wrist, because most companies now say, oh, it's the cost of doing business. It's not that big a deal to intimidate workers. And this law would change that. This legislation is going to empower workers to exercise our freedom to organize and bargain and be able to have a simple majority with a democratic vote free from harassment and intimidation. And once folks organize and uh, petition to have their union and they have the election, often there's difficulty in getting a first contract. And so this law would make sure that workers reach that first contract quickly after a union is recognized. They'll end the practice of punishing striking workers by hiring permanent replacements. That's often what companies do to break a strike, right? And workers shouldn't lose their jobs for speaking out. Uh, The law would also repeal right-to-work laws, which, as we know, is divisive. It's racist. These laws were created during the Jim Crow era. Right. And that led to lower wages and more dangerous workplaces because it divides the workplace. You know, I think in big tech, especially in the Northwest, we need to make sure that companies like Amazon, like Google and Facebook and all of the Silicon Valley actors see that no matter what kind of workplace you have, workers should have the ability to come together collectively and exercise their voices and speak up for the safety standards and workplaces that actually make sense for today's modern workforce. Liz, you mentioned right to work, and that's something that I think a lot of people hear about. But here in Washington state, we're not a right to work state. Often people here in Washington get right to work confused with at will employment, which is a separate thing. But can you explain a little bit what right to work is? It's interesting you point that out because when I was in Bessemer, Alabama, I met with a lot of union leaders who were saying, why is it so hard to join a union? I I really don't understand. They're in a right to work state, but they were in shops that had existed for a really long time that had mature contracts. And I think that's the case in Washington state where collective bargaining 
is the norm for folks who've unionized a workplace to basically have contracts that last for generations. And so you often don't realize what it takes for workers to form a union and the risks that they take and the courage that it takes to stand up to some of these employers. But right to work is the biggest scam that we have ever seen. We like to call it right to starve or right to work for less because it essentially creates, you know, a two-tiered union system where those who pay dues are carrying the load for the rest of the workers under a particular contract who choose not to pay dues. And that's just a way for the employers to divide the workforce, to weaken the union and make sure that they can create special circumstances for some workers and not for others, right? So the idea here is we want to have solidarity as union members. We want to create power by standing together. And right to work basically divides us and makes us weaker. So we've talked a lot about how the PRO Act is going to help union members and help unions, not just here in Washington state, but all across the country. A lot of our listeners aren't in a union yet. They may not have been given the chance. How is this bill going to affect people who aren't in unions yet? The PRO Act is going to help workers, whether you're in a union or not. And I say that because if we look at how inequality has skyrocketed in our economy, it's primarily because workers don't have enough power. They don't have enough power to come together and demand the fair share of the wealth that they help these big companies create. And until we can actually join together collectively and collectively bargain under a union contract, we won't have the full force of the law behind us and the power that we need to balance the scales. So the PRO Act fixes that because it allows it to be easier for workers to come together. And if they want to form a union in their workplace, they can do it. And not many people remember that when the National Labor Relations Act first passed in 1935, it was the law of the land to join a union. It was proactive. It was actually promoting joining a union because back then there were a lot of wildcat strikes and a lot of uncertainties in the economy. And even employers were saying, oh my gosh, this is terrible. We, we can't predict how our economy is going to function. So this system of collective bargaining was put in place so that workers could come to the table, bargain with their employers, and make sure that we had stability, fairness, equality, and all of the things we know today in the collective bargaining arrangement. So the PRO Act wants to expand that and the opportunity for a pathway to the middle class by joining a union for every person who works in this country. I like that because so often we hear people say, well, if I can't have it, you can't have it either. I am a firm believer that if you can have it, so can I. And how do you do that? You join together, you come to solidarity, you have a voice on the job, and you get those medical benefits too, right? Shouldn't be a race to the bottom, right? We shouldn't be tearing each other down. We should be building each other up. And that's the way we were able to get healthcare benefits for workers in the economy as we know it today, as we banded together back in the 30s, 40s, 50s, and we had a rising middle class and union density was over 30% of the economy. So one in three people belonged to a union and we could bargain together for it and make it the norm in the economy. But today, fewer people are in unions. And sometimes people don't even know what a union is. 
And so that's our job as union members to say, you know what, we can join together. We can all have this rising standard of living. We can all thrive if we join together and bargain our fair share. Now, at the outset, you said that the PRO Act is also a racial justice bill, a gender justice bill. Is that what you're talking about? That's right, because we know what we like to call the union difference, right? Where when you're in a union, you're making more because you've bargained with your employer for a clear standard in your contract. And whether you're a woman, whether you're African-American, Latino, whether you're LGBTQ, the PRO Act is more than just labor law reform. It's civil rights legislation. And a union contract is the single best tool we have to close racial and gender wage gaps and to ensure dignity and due process for workers, regardless where we were born, who we are, or what industry we work in. Removing barriers to organizing and bargaining is important for all workers, especially those who have been marginalized. Expanding collective bargaining will increase protections for women, people of color, immigrants, the LGBTQ community, where our laws are still falling short. And I will say there is a union difference for workers of color, for women. When you join a union, you make more money, you have more protections. And so if more people can join a union, then that means they're going to have access to a better quality of life. Then we will have more folks accessing the American dream. That's why the PRO Act, I believe, is a civil and human rights issue. So, hey, Liz, the PRO Act could not come at a better time because, number one, we have an administration that is the most union-friendly that we've ever seen. And don't we have the people behind us? I mean, aren't unions coming back? Absolutely. The timing of this could not be better because of the alignment with the administration. We've got, you know, Secretary of Labor, Marty Walsh, who actually comes from a union background. And the public, the support from the public has been astonishing. And there's research that came out of MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, that shows that more than 60 million people would vote to join a union today if they had the opportunity. I mean, they would join if they were free from fear and, you know, worried that they were going to get fired, right? That's why the PRO Act is so important, because if you took away those barriers and you took away the fear, people would join unions in droves. And in fact, the recent Gallup polls as well found that union approval is now at 65% which is one of the highest percentages in more than 50 years. I always told myself, how bad is it going to have to get before people really stand up and say, not anymore, enough is enough. I think that we hit that time. This is awesome. 65% like unions. We're there, Shannon. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I think people are seeing inequality skyrocketing. They're seeing, you know, the platforming of our economy. They're seeing that they have little to no power to do anything about it. And how do we turn that around? We come together collectively, join unions, and be able to use the law to demand our fair share and negotiate collectively for the things we need to thrive as working people. There's been a lot of misinformation about the PRO Act. 
I saw an ad on Facebook purchased by a ride sharing company that said that the PRO Act was going to do away with their business. Is the PRO Act going to get rid of gig workers? Absolutely not. What it will do is allow gig workers to come together to create more power for themselves to be able to negotiate better wages, better working conditions, and better benefits for themselves. And right now, as independent contractors, they're often misclassified by their employer so that they don't have access to benefits. And so the employer gets off scot-free where they don't have to pay workers' compensation, overtime protection. They're not covered by even harassment laws when they're considered independent contractors. The PRO Act is going to essentially make it easier for those independent contractors to come together, to bargain collectively, to raise their standards, to give them access to better wages and safety and health conditions and benefits. That's what the PRO Act is going to do. It's not going to change anything in terms of the business model that the companies are trying to make everyone so scared about. Well, I have something to say about independent contractors. The reason that companies use them as independent contractors is so that, number one, they don't have to be liable for them. They're 1099 employees, which sometimes these people, which are usually young adults going into the workforce, not understanding that an independent contractor is a 1099 and that they're not getting taxes removed. So at the end of the year, you're responsible for all your taxes. Your company is not paying into Social Security. And then they say, well, if you become an employee, you lose your freedom. And then they pit freedom against doing the right thing. Well, shouldn't we have both? Shouldn't we be able to be responsible working adults with some freedom to do the job while having benefits and protections with our employer? I don't understand. It's kind of a greed thing. Hmm. It's kind of a greed thing. And that word freedom, you know, we need to reclaim that word for working people because I think the companies are using that and turning it on its head to scare folks, especially those who are working in insecure employment right now. We want everyone to be able to have access to good wages and safe working conditions and healthcare benefits. What a concept, right? And if you're working as an independent contractor, and you're misclassified because the company doesn't want to take responsibility, that's a problem. So what the PRO Act will do is actually allow workers to come together, to bargain their fair share, to have more power, to influence these big companies who sometimes often are controlling workers by app. And this is not the kind of economy we want to see. We want a, we want a future where everyone can thrive. So here we are again, back where we started, controlling workers through technology. Absolutely. But I have one more question for you, sister. Here in Washington, we are so fortunate to have some amazing senators who support the PRO Act, but they not only supported it, they're co-sponsors, and I believe Patty Murray wrote the darn thing. So what can people here in Washington do to help the PRO Act and... If our listeners are outside of Washington, what can they do to support the PRO Act? What's the plan? So we are trying to create awareness and pressure, frankly, on the U.S. Senate. Right now, the PRO Act is sitting there waiting to be taken up, and we need to get to 50 votes. 
And so we've been very focused on getting senators, particularly Democratic senators, to sign up to co-sponsor the PRO Act. So that's our first ask. And there are three senators that are on our radar right now. And certainly Washington State, you know, your two senators are good. They're supporting workers. But we have Arizona, which um, the two U.S. senators there are Democrats, Kirsten Sinema and Mark Kelly. If we have listeners that are from Arizona or you know people from Arizona, have them call in. Also, the state of Virginia, Mark Warner, a Democrat, who has not yet co-sponsored the PRO Act. We're even crossing the aisle in Alaska. We think Senator Lisa Murkowski could be um, gettable as well. So for those of you who might have ties to the state of Alaska, that would be helpful. And then certainly for those in Washington state, why not call your senators who have been with us from day one and thank them and reinforce the fact that you're watching and that you're so grateful for their support of working people by their co-sponsorship of the PRO Act. I don't think we always need to call them when we're angry or upset. We should call them and thank them when we're happy and we want to reward them for doing the right thing. I actually lived in Alaska. I am really pushing all my friends up in Anchorage to call Senator Murkowski. It can be done. Once we have those senators signed up, we want to keep the pressure on. Of course, all senators in the U.S. Senate should be hearing from us, no matter what. We can also generate buzz and awareness by using your social media accounts. Of course, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at AFLCIO.org. We've got graphics you can download even for your Zoom calls <laughs> for virtual background. Um, what about writing a letter to the editor of your local newspaper and talk about what the PRO Act would mean to you and why you think other people who aren't in unions need the PRO Act because it will put us on the pathway, all of us in this country, to a better life? Well, we definitely saw that phone calls and contacting senators made a difference in the past couple of weeks. There were a couple of holdouts, Angus King from Maine and Joe Manchin from West Virginia, who both announced that they were going to co-sponsor. And that was largely because of the amount of contact that they had from people, correct? That is a great example. I'm glad you raised that because you're absolutely right. They said, you know, come back to us when you have 50 votes, right? No one wanted to be um, coming out of the gate quickly. They wanted to be the last one. So we had to turn up the heat. And what did we do? We lit up the phones. I think that is an example of what the power of the labor movement and allies and community support can do. People will say it's impossible, then get the labor movement to hit the street and we get it done. Because that is what we do in the labor movement. We get it done. Damn right. <laughs> so if our audience wants to find out more about the PRO Act, if they really want to dig in deep, where should they go? Well, thanks for asking that question, because I hope more people will learn about the PRO Act. And they can do that by going to aflcio.org to our website. And you should find it right there, front and center. And now is the time. This is our week of action. We're leading into um, May Day, which is International Workers' Day. And I just want to thank you, Shannon and Harold, for the work that you do in the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council. It's truly amazing. You keep us all moving. And I just want to say thank you on behalf of the National AFL-CIO for all the great work you do. Thank you, sis.
it goes double from us. You have shown amazing leadership. And to think it's a Pacific Northwesterner who is leading the charge. Obviously, there is something in the water here, like people say. <laughs> I always brag. I say, Liz Schuler, she's from the PNW. Woo! Yeah, oh yeah. You represent us well, sis. Thank you so much for coming and letting us know about the PRO Act. We are going to work as hard as we can to get this passed. Workers need voice on the job. Thank you so much. And thank you, working people for joining us on another episode of Working to Live in Southwest Washington, produced by the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council. And you can bet that the Southwest Washington Labor Council knows how important it is that all workers have a voice in their workplace. Right, Harold? That's right. And that is why this podcast was recorded under a SAG-AFTRA collective bargaining agreement. That's right. Can I do that one more time? That's right. And you know why we like a sag after a collective bargaining agreement? Because Shannon's not monitoring every move I make on my wrist or with an app. <laughs> no way. I don't know what you do all day, Harold. You do not want to know what I do all day. It's, it's strange and mysterious and it happens in the shadows. Remember, working people, no matter what I do during the day, this is your show. We want to know what you want to hear on it. Email us at podcast at swwaclc.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at swwaclc. And don't forget, subscribe to the show. You know you want to hear us every other week. And then pass it on to your friends, your families, your siblings, everybody. And while you're at it, give us five stars or check the box on the union petition drive or whatever your podcast platform of choice gives you to let people know that you'll like what we're doing here. One last thing, folks. We've talked a lot about how the PRO Act is going to help union members, and we've talked a bit about how it's going to help people who aren't yet in a union. What we haven't really talked a lot about is this word that kept popping up, solidarity. A lot of people don't know in this day and age what solidarity means, but it's at the heart of all workplace activity that brings you and your fellow working people together to get what you need. Solidarity to me means that you're not alone. And I've been saying this a lot to some of our union members. We have Peace Health Southwest, where the nurses are fighting for a contract, but they're doing it together. They're not having to go at it alone. We have Clark College trying to cut workers when they're getting federal stimulus money, but they're going to try to cut workers. Well, the Clark College union is actually going to protect those union members. And they're working for the Clark College employees that aren't members of the union too, right? Yes. That is the great thing about unions is they fight not only for their members, they fight for people who are not even a part of the union, just working people. And the other thing that's great is if there's two unions in a workplace, those unions will work together so that Everybody has a stronger voice and better working and living conditions. They're not alone. They don't have to fight this alone. You have people behind you. You have leaders who are supporting you. 
and you don't have to be alone. That is what solidarity means. That is what a union contract means. You're not alone. It's scary to be alone. So you've just listened to a show that's all about a bill that's going to make it easier to join a union. And what does being a member of a union mean? You're not alone. So the next time somebody at your workplace starts making noise about maybe you should work together to change things around here, you don't have to be afraid, especially if we get the PRO Act passed. Pass the PRO Act. So call your friends and family in Arizona, in Virginia, even in my old home state of Alaska, and tell them to tell their senators to support the PRO Act so that you can feel like you're not alone at work. We'll see you soon. Bye.